This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Most Saturdays at this time, we spend an exciting half hour adventure in action with America's public hero number one, Hopalong Cassidy. Well, even two-fisted cowboys take summer vacations when they can, and Hoppy is no exception. But Hopalong and Topper will be back with us riding the CBS air trails again four weeks from tonight, September 22nd. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter of the prison of the grave. There's no other end. They never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now with Gerald Moore starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's transcribed story, Air for G-String. There's nothing really wrong with a hot summer. But if some sadist really wanted to bring out the worst in anybody, particularly me, after a steaming day, all he has to do is expose me to air conditioning. Take, for instance, the Broadview Hotel, which was on Olive Street in downtown L.A. It ground out alternating currents of cold air from what could laughingly be called the lobby. I'd revolved through the usual doors and stood squinting into the icy darkness. When my eyes leveled off again, I made my way to the elevators sinking into the deep pile carpeting up to my hot and cold ankles. By the time I reached room 972, I was in the first stages of a chill. Air yeah, conditioning is a marvelous invention. It guarantees the summer cold for life. Oh, you're Mr. Marlowe? That's right. That makes you Mr. Allman, huh? Oh, come in. Martin Allman. Come in. Sure. Yeah, you're nothing like I'd pictured you, Mr. Allman. Uh, sit down, please, Mr. Marlowe. Pictured me? I don't understand. Well, all my life I'd heard about Philadelphia lawyers. Somewhere along the line, I drew up a mental 8 by 10 of a... Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. You just don't look the prototype. Perhaps that's because I'm only a junior partner in the firm, Mr. Marlowe. Yeah, maybe that's it. You know, it's an odd thing about prototypes, Mr. Marlowe. They'll trick you. Oh? For example, I've always had the idea that men in your... Well, I'll call it a profession. That's nice of you. That men in your profession always wore trench coats. Yeah, well, that's because Bogart looks so good in them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, about our business together. I'll be here in Los Angeles a few days representing the firm in a number of ways, but while I'm here, I hope to locate a man by the name of Buff Ryan. Did you say that first name was Buff? Yes, odd name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but that's beside the point. This Buff Ryan, it seems, has inherited a small amount of money from a maiden aunt who passed away some time ago in Philadelphia. Oh. According to our information... My firm is executor of her estate. Uh, Mr. Ryan came west about a year ago. And until approximately six months ago, he could be reached at a Waring Street address in care of a C.A. Douglas. But our correspondence to him there has been returned, marked unknown at this address. That's the last record you have on him. Yes, huh? that's the last. We've written to this uh, C.A. Douglas, but received no answer from him. I've called him since I arrived in town. There's been no answer. Well, maybe they've both left town, moved away. Well, that's possible, of course, but... Uh, perhaps you'll find that out when you get to checking on Mr. Ryan. I see. Well, I'm to find him if I can and tell him about this inheritance, huh? By the way, how much is it? $5,000. Mm. Just about Miss Leader's entire estate. Miss Leader sounds like a comment. <laughs> Her full name, you may want that, was Julie Leader. Julie Leader. I'm sorry I can't show you a picture of Mr. Ryan. I'm expecting one to be sent out to me while I'm here. Expected it this morning, as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, maybe a description of him will do. Have you ever seen him? No, no. Uh, but we were able to find out that he's slightly less than six feet tall, light brown hair, straight. Uh, blue eyes, weighed about 180 pounds when he left Philadelphia a year ago. No distinguishing marks about him, according to our description. Oh, yes, and uh, he's about 35 years old. Well, that's pretty complete. Oh, uh, you better let me have the last address you have on Ryan, too. Oh, of course. Huh? Here. I've written it down for you with the phone number I've been calling. Mm -hmm. 
I'll be handling most of my business affairs right here at the hotel, Mr. Marlowe. I'll appreciate it if you'll check in occasionally. Let me know your progress. Oh, sure. I'd be glad to. Say around 3 o'clock this afternoon. Okay. Tell you everything I know about then. <laughs> yeah, but then it might not be a thing. I know your reputation, Mr. Marlowe. You'll find him, I'm sure. Oh, don't get me wrong. If he's to be found, I'll probably find him. But I have missed, you know. Just why I should want to rock the confidence of a Philadelphia lawyer, I don't know. Maybe it was because Martin Allman, for all his conservative Brooks Brothers attire, looked too much or not enough like what he was supposed to be. Maybe it was because the East Los Angeles address he'd handed me for Buff Ryan was a cinch to be 30 degrees hotter. It was, too. Waring Street was lined with gray little houses surrounded by small gray lawns dotted with straggling gray trees. The color scheme was the direct result of long years of constant neglect. I knocked a long time on the door of the C.A. Douglas residence. The porch was littered with old papers and assortment of throwaways and leaves. The only response I got was from a scrawny cat, also gray, who leaped up on the porch rail to spit and yowl at me. <laughs> I yowled back and walked off the porch in the general direction of my car. That's when I noticed a smaller, grayer house behind this one, on the same lot. And I thought I saw a curtain at the front window move slightly. The cat dogged my steps back to see. Oh, pardon me, but I'm trying to locate C.A. Douglas. Does he still live in the house in front of you? I don't know. I haven't seen Mr. Douglas in quite a while. Oh. You, uh, you think he moved away? Maybe. I don't know. How would I know? I don't know. Well, look, I'm, I'm in kind of a hurry. I'm getting dressed to go to work. How long have you lived here? What difference does it make? Did you ever know a guy named Buff Ryan? Of course not. Why, of course not. Why not just know? Listen, I don't know hardly anybody, and I don't know you, and... Um, now it's the phone. Go away, will you please, mister? No. No, I don't think Hello? I will, honey. She was tall, very blonde, very good to look at. A fresh blue housecoat wrapped around just the way it should. And even after I entered the spotless little living room, the faint aura of her cologne lingered on. I couldn't tell anything about the phone conversation she was having in the next room, but... I could tell a lot about her by the several scantily clad pictures of her that greeted me from various points of the room. Yeah, I could tell a lot about her. Hey, what's the idea? You just can't walk in here. Do you want me to call the police? Not especially. I was just admiring your pictures. So? Yeah, you have exceptional handwriting. You're pretty nosy, aren't you? I particularly like this sample where it says, For Buff, darling, my love, Blossom. Listen, mister, I got things to do, so run along. How long have you known Buff, honey? You think I'm kidding about calling the cops? Well, I do it all right, only... Only what? Only I'm, I'm due downtown at work. I... Oh, honest, mister, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You got no right to ask me questions about anything. And nothing says I got to answer. That's right, that's right, honey. You sure don't. Now, where's Buff? I don't know. I'll drive you downtown and you can tell me all about it, huh? You're driving me nowhere but out of my mind. Now, look, I got good news for your boy. He'd want to see me. Get out! Okay, Blossom, okay. What time's your first show? Two How did you know? <laughs> yeah, I read the papers. And occasionally, I've been known to contribute to the cultural progress of Los Angeles. You know, save the burlesque houses. The pictures she'd autographed to Buff had been propped up between my sugar bowl and the salt shaker the Sunday morning before in the theatrical section of the Sunday paper. Yeah, I didn't recognize her with a house coat on. And all the way back downtown, I reflected on the advantages of being well-read. Well, I parked in a lot on a side street to the north end of Skid Row and stopped for lunch at a newspaper man's hangout nearby. It was almost time for Blossom's first show when I felt fortified enough to walk along the street past the blank stairs of the winos and the dank air of the Muscatel missions. <laughs> Blossom's flag flew above the marquee. Blossom, the flower of burlesque. 
How many, please? One, huh? There you are, sir. Thanks. Say, do you think I can get in to see Blossom? I don't see how you can miss with buying the ticket and all. No, no, no. I mean, I'd like to see her personally in a dressing room. I'd oh. like to talk to her. Well, I'm sure you have my permission. Whether or not you get Blossom's is strictly between her and her moral fiber. You know something? You're not much help. You know something? I don't try to be. I'll miss you. <laughs> and here it is, your very last chance to go to Great Show. I'm about to pass among you with these boxes of delicious chocolate candy with the nuts inside. And don't forget with each and every break, I beg your pardon, sir. Yes, sir, thank you very much. With the purchase of every box of this delicious chocolate candy with the nuts inside, our very special offer, a genuine gold one, with each and every purchase. He wasn't going to make a killing, exactly. There weren't more than six guys in the place. I wandered down the side aisle toward a door to one side of the stage and pushed through it. I found myself in a dark, narrow catwalk of the hallway. Hey, the uh, show's going to be out front, Mac. You guys can't come back here. Well, this guy did. Where can I find Blossom? Uh, out front. About ten minutes. I'll wait for her back here, thanks. Look, I can make myself clear if I had got I wish it. you would. Your lighting system's very bad back here. Well, your light's out front where it counts, Mac. Come on, get Take out Take it of easy, here. fella. This is business. I don't like being pushed. Uh, that can happen you won't like if you don't hey, get out of here. you too. You're causing too much commotion. Now get out front where you belong. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Now, look, I don't know who you are, Well, I can I... clear that up for you quick, friend. I'm the manager of this theater, now run along like he did. Now where can we talk? In your office? Why should I talk to you? Because I'm a booking agent. I want to talk to you about Blossom. She's booked. Okay, we'll talk about something else. Where's your office? Hey, now look, the show's starting. We can't stay back here. Follow me. You sure have a bunch of art lovers in the audience? Sure, sure. It's a class show. Come on, through this door. All right. Now then, you're no booking agent, so what's on your mind? Blossom, and what's your name? Baloo, George Baloo. Why? Would it mean anything to you if I told you that Buff Ryan's Aunt Julie died in Philadelphia and left him 5,000 bucks? It wouldn't mean a thing. Wouldn't, huh? No. Mm, that's funny. Because you're the first one who'd fit the picture. What picture? Slightly under six feet tall, light brown hair straight, blue eyes, about 35 years old, weigh about 180. And what are you trying to prove, that you can see me? Maybe. So my Philadelphia message doesn't interest you, huh? Nothing about you interests me except how you got in here in the first place. Bought a ticket. Then go on out and see the show. I think I will. I also think I'll stick around and see Blossom after her, uh, performance. I wouldn't do that. If I were you, I'd see this show and get out. I don't want any trouble around here. I don't either. And if you see Buff before the show's over, tell him I'm out front, will you? I said I don't want any trouble. You're in a rut. I walked down the aisle that led backstage the course I'd already charted. Blossom's costume was less demure than her blue housecoat. <laughs> it was a school of thought surrounding me that this was more effective. Near the door, I stopped a moment in silent appreciation. Don't look at her like that. I, <laughs> I didn't know I was. You don't get any more ideas about going back to her dressing room. I ain't gonna like that. Now, look, look. Go back to your seat. Live it up. Baloo said it was okay. He wouldn't say that. He knows better. All right, go tell him he knows better. Yeah, I will. You stay here. It was the same voice I met backstage the first time. The same pungent odor of muscatel. Before he'd lurched back up the aisle, I'd had a good look at a twisted face and a pair of watery blue eyes. Backstage, I waited for Blossom's act to conclude. It did. In just a moment, we'll return to the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first... Love that Monday through Friday night session of Smiles. Beulah is back with Hattie McDaniel again, starring as an over-generous, over-anxious-to-be-wed, overweight damsel holding forth over CBS radio. Starting this Monday night, listen for Beulah and the Henderson family in a new season of delightful day-to-day -day doings. Beulah joins the fall parade of stars back to CBS radio on most of these stations beginning Monday night. This show is supported by State Farm. 
Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe and tonight's story, Air for G-String. I couldn't have been out long. About eight bars of imagination unless I'd missed a full chorus. At some point, I was fuzzily aware of being carried sack-style somewhere, then being dropped not too gently onto a set of the noisiest springs I'd ever heard. This music lulled me for a while, and then I heard a door slam, and my head rolled off on the floor and broke. Come on, Marlo, you're oh. not dead. Is that official? How'd you get in here, anyway? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. I hardly believe it myself. You're not supposed to be yeah, back here. Yeah, I know, here. I know, I know, I know. I've had that pointed out to me several times now. Yeah, and I didn't think I told you my name. Your wallet was on the floor. I can read. Oh, yeah. Well, good for you. Who hit me and with what size sandbag? I don't know. You never know anything, do you? Listen, Mr. Marlowe, you've been barging in all day where you're not wanted. Why didn't you tell me Buff was a wino? Ooh! Hey, look, look. That's what's left of my head, huh? I hope it hurt. I hope it hurt awful. Well, you get your hope it did. Hey, listen, you. I'm pretty fed up with you. No, just how you feel, Baloo. I told you before. I know what I'll you get... told me. You don't want any trouble. Okay. <sighs> okay, I'm going. Now, Blossom, what about Buff? I don't oh, know. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Now, don't tell me you want another ticket. Not me, kid. I've taken the cure. How is there moral fiber? Hmm? Like Gibraltar. <laughs> you know a guy named Buff Ryan? For free, I don't know my own mother. You don't, huh? Mm -mm. See your point. Here. Here's mine. Memory getting any better? Mm, it's um, clearing up a little. Thought it would. <laughs> well, uh, when he ain't here, which he ain't right now, He's um, usually at Mother Morris's. That's for one. Mother Morris's, huh? Mm-hmm. Flophouse, three doors down. Or for two, try Tilly's, four doors down. A saloon. Thank you. Mother Morris couldn't help me, lovable old lush that she was. And a penetrating search of the 25-cent bed she sold revealed a lot of things. But no Buff Ryan. Tilly's downstairs next door didn't look very promising at first, but that was before I saw the twisted face with the watery blue eyes at the far end of the bar. Beside him, the unofficial dean and philosopher of Skid Row, J. Fenton Prentice. I started toward them, but a cordon of winos surrounded me before I could reach him. That's him, Prentice. That's the one. Yeah, Prentice, I'm the one. Will you call the brothers here off, make them breathe in another direction, and let me talk to Buff? We're a close association here, Mr. Marlow. Outsiders are not welcome. Oh, come on, Prentice, you know me well enough. Perhaps, Mr. Marlow, but we know each other better, my associates and I. My young friend Buff here quite obviously does not wish to talk with you. We're merely respecting his wishes. In our own way. Oh, come on. Look, this is cockeyed. Maybe this isn't the place to say it, but you've inherited money, Buff. That's all I came to tell you. Really? Yeah. Who died? Your Aunt Julie. Don't let him say any more, Prentice. Don't let him get to me. i got to get out of here. If you gentlemen will restrain Mr. Marlowe. Buff, you crazy fool. Listen to me. There's a lawyer here from Philadelphia to see you. 
He's at the Broadview, will you? For heaven's sake, get in touch with him. Listen to me. They will, son. They will. The lawyer's name is Martin Orman, you idiot. Go see him. Let go of me, you stupid dolts. Yeah. Thanks, Prentice. And nothing. Buff was nowhere to be seen when I hit the street. Didn't matter. It was three o'clock. I delivered my message from Martin Allman. Buff could take it from there. Now, I may be wrong, but most guys like to inherit dough. Still, you can never tell with a wino. And Buff was, as they say, bona fide. <laughs> Martin Allman was glad to see me. That was a nice change of pace. I told him all I knew. Didn't take long. I'm afraid you've had quite a bad experience, Mr. Marlowe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. Oh, by the way... And this picture arrived, special delivery from Philadelphia about an hour ago. Oh? Is uh, this the reluctant chap you tracked down? Let me see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Buff, before Muscatel. Well, you've done a fine job, Mr. Marlowe. I made your check out for you. Thanks. So you're going to try to get in touch with Buff yourself? Perhaps. Not personally, of course. You're certain that Waring Street address, the little house in back, should reach him? Yeah, yeah. Or I suppose you could get in touch with him through Blossom at the Burlesque Theater. Mm hmm well, we've done all we can for now. Unfortunately, I've been called back to Philadelphia. I'm taking your plane out in an hour. Well, what about Buff and the inheritance? Well, now that I know he can be reached, we'll mail it to him. After all, we can't force it on him, now can we, Mr. Marlowe? No. Doesn't look like we can. Yeah, well, he's all yours, Mr. Allman. Martin Allman seems satisfied that we've done our job. So I left wishing someone would come up to me and tell me Aunt What's-Her-Name had left me 5,000 clams. When I got back to my car, I had it all figured how I'd go home and forget what Martin had called quite a bad experience. One look inside my car told me it wasn't going to work out that way at all. You uh, weren't as long as I thought you'd be, Mr. Marlowe. How'd you get here from Skid Row, Prentice? Fly? I always taxi. How nice for you. After you left Tilly's, I fell to thinking, Mr. Marlowe. Quite a fall. It occurred to me that perhaps you were telling Buff the truth all the time. I was. That's not important now, is it? Oh, yes. I should say it's quite important. Really? You mustn't be too hard on Buff, Mr. Marlowe. He's like most men on the row. He probably has his reasons for running. Running from life, perhaps. Running from himself. Or others. Are you trying to tell me something, Prentice? Now, that would be presumptuous of me, Mr. Marlowe. Temper justice with mercy. That much I say to you. I tell you, Buff Ryan is running. And with reason. If his reason interests you, then I suggest you set about finding out what it is. Well, is there any reason why I should? No. No, there isn't, but this much I do know. He has left the row, and he is running. I saved Jay Fenton Prentice's taxi fare back to what he affectionately referred to as the row. Yeah, he wouldn't have followed me if he hadn't wanted me to know something peculiar about Buff. And yet, his odd code kept him from telling me himself. I knew that code well enough to know that it had something to do with the police. Yeah, well, like I say, I'm a curious fella. Oh, now, Phil, uh, is this a big-time or small-time crook, this Ryan? He's pretty small, Sergeant Mooney, if he is one. Hmm. Aliases? No, not that I know of. Uh -huh. Well, we'll try Ryan just for size, huh? Hmm. Buff's a crazy name. <laughs> He's a crazy guy. We'll have to look for it in the moniker file if we don't right. have it here. Uh, uh, hold it here. Uh, this your guy? Where? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's it. Let's see that, will you? Take it out of there. Yeah. Let's see, not much of a wrecking. Suspect, armed robbery, charges dropped. Suspect, extortion, charges dropped. I wonder why they bothered to take his picture. I don't know. Aliases, aliases. Buff Ragland, Bob Rutledge, C.A. Doug... C.A. Douglas. Hmm? Hello. What? Takes care of one question mark. Does it? Yeah, take my word for it, kid. It does. I see. Last question in connection with the slaying of Julie Leader, Philadelphia. Wait a minute. Aunt Julie, holy smoke. I knew I didn't like this Martin Allman. 
I didn't bother to check his record. I got the picture. No wonder Buff ran from me like the plague. Martin had suckered me into setting Buff up for the kill. Marlowe, the finger man, that's great. Well, I got back to the theater and practically nothing flat. Yanked Blossom practically off stage, shoved her into my car and drove like mad to the little gray house behind the little gray house. Prentice said Buff had left Skid Row. If he wasn't on Waring Street, he might be anywhere, including dead. Martin was paying off a cab driver in front of the house. Blossom cued me to the alley entrance and back. Please, God. Please don't let anything happen to him. Don't crack now, honey. We'll make it in time if you just let us in. He's got to, Mr. Marlowe. He's my husband. Okay, okay. Take it easy, baby. Stand away from him, Blossom, or I'll kill you, too. No, Buff, no! Now listen, Buff, Martin's coming in the front. You can't waste time with us. I don't believe you, Marlowe. You're part of the deal. And... Hey, what is this? You should have listened to me, Buff! Oh. I'm sorry, Blossom, I had to. Is he, is he's he... all right, he's just out. Now listen, you got to answer that front door. No! Answer it! I'll be right behind the door. He won't do anything to you. Just let him come in. But, but I'm afraid... So am I. Come on. Oh. How do you do? I... I was looking for a gentleman by the name of Buff Ryan. I'm an old friend of his. I understood he lived here. Yes. Yes, he does. Is he at home now? Yes. Won't you come in? Oh, thank you. Marlowe, thank heaven. Thank me. I got his gun. Are you all right? Never felt better. Go throw some water on your boy and get him in here. Maybe he'll talk now. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I will. Now. Buff, darling, you, you're not hurt? Not anymore, honey. I don't figure you, I guess, Marlowe. I thought you were on Martin's team. I was at first, when I thought the business about you inheriting the 5,000 bucks was legitimate. What's he got against you? I saw too much once, about a year ago. I saw Martin kill Julie Leader. I was the only one who saw it. I knew he'd give me the same thing if he ever got the chance. He, he can't do that now, can he? Not if you'll talk, when we get the law here. Buff, why didn't you tell me? Silly question, honey. Sure, Marlowe. Call the law. It'll be almost a pleasure to talk. So much for that. Buff and Blossom are doing fine. <laughs> Every once in a while, we sit in the third row and yell, down in front. Yeah, he's got a good job now. And soon they'll have enough for the traditional vine-covered respectability. Oh, by the way, <laughs> he's taken to wearing Brooks Brothers-type suits. You know what? He looks just like a Philadelphia lawyer. <laughs> How do you like that? The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, starring Gerald Moore, are produced and transcribed by Norman MacDonald, and written for radio by Kathleen Height. Featured in the cast were Jack Moyles as Buff Ryan, Michael Ann Barrett as Blossom, and John Stevenson as Martin Allman, with Sidney Miller as Mr. Ballou, Norman Field as J. Fenton Prentice, Grace Leonard as Gloria B., Sergeant Mooney is played by Jack Crucian. Gerald Moore may currently be seen in the Santana production, Sirocco. The special music for Philip Marlowe is composed by Pierre Garagank and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Be sure to listen next week at the same time when Philip Marlowe says, This time she was lovely and I was engaged. Engaged to help a beautiful shepherd who had a flock of trouble. We found a lost sheep and something else she didn't know she lost. This coming Monday night, keep the evening free because the great fall parade of stars and shows back to CBS radio will begin in earnest. Enjoy suspense moving into Monday evening, raising the curtain with William Holden in the leading role of a brand new spine tingler. Enjoy Lux Radio Theater's The Mudlark, starring Irene Dunn and Sir Cedric Hardwick. Enjoy The Bob Hawk Show, back in business with $3,000 to start the season's quiz-bang fun. 
Yes, they're all coming back to CBS Radio this Monday night. Yours on most of these same CBS stations. Today, with the country rising to meet the challenge of aggression, the Red Cross has been asked by the government to undertake tremendous tasks. By giving generously to the Red Cross, you'll help mobilize for the defense of your families, your community, and the nation. Give as much as you can today. Clarence Cassell speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Two-fisted cowboys take summer vacations when they can, and Hoppy is no exception. But Hopalong and Topper will be back riding the CBS air trails again two weeks from tonight, September 22nd. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gut of the prison of the grave. There's no other end, but they never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's transcribed story, The Medium Was Rare. Let me out of here. I've got to get away. This is the time. The time when all I can think of is trout streams, trails through tall mountains, where every man is Hopalong Cassidy. <laughs> I was sitting in my favorite restaurant telling Mary my favorite hashling are all about it. Oh, it all sounds so wonderful, Phil. Yeah, but that's not the half of it. There are waterfalls so high, it seems the cascade comes from heaven itself. Going alone, Phil? You bet your sweet life I'm going alone. In the words of the poet, I'm going to commune with nature. I'm the most natural thing you ever saw. Darling, you're beautiful. Your charms are many, but you want me to be honest? Yeah. You don't compare to a trout. Why, you worm! <laughs> don't get mad, baby. It's the season. Mm, season her out. I don't like being compared to a fish. Not a fish, baby. The queen of them all. A mountain trout. Did you ever hear of the Feather River country, Mary? If it's out of Los Angeles County, I've never been there. It's in Northern California. Northern fringe of the mother lode. Here's your coffee. Mother who? Hey... Hey, you know something? If I started right now, I could make it before morning. A quick cup of coffee, huh, doll? I'll drop everything. Well, if it ain't the clean-living type. Hi, Marlow. Hiya, Cookie. I thought they had you stashed away. Not no more. I got parole last week. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. It was your bum rap. It sure was, if you're out this soon. Anything else? Yeah. When do you get off? A lot later than you do, because you're getting off now. Touche, girl. Yeah. What kind of a crack is that? That's French for I'm on your team. Ah. <laughs> uh, dames. You try to say something nice to him, and uh, where does it get you? Yeah, well, I got to go, Cookie. I'm sorry to yeah, see wait, you. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. I'll go with you. Thanks, uh, Mary. Yeah, you bet, Phil. Give my regards to the fish. I'll leave you a nickel, doll. Better keep it. The other buffalo will miss you. Good, well, yeah, we should. You got to face it, Cookie. She's crazy about you. You think so? No. Well, my car's in the lot here. I'm in a hurry, yeah, so... Yeah, well, mine's in the lot, too. Uh, uh, listen, Marlowe, I was just wondering. You get around. Uh, 
You got any idea where Cesano is? Cesano? Yeah. Don't you know any decent people? But, hey, Cesano's my pal. He's as decent as I am. You made the point, Cookie. Well, Seems to me there was talk he had something to do with you taking that rap in the first place, huh? What you, listen, you don't think I'm trying to find him to knock him off or anything like that? Could be, or about that bright. But it doesn't really matter. I don't know where he is. I don't care. I don't want to know where you are, either. Well, that suits me good. Only good. I don't know what you're so kissed off about. I, I done nothing to you. Neither is Chisano. You make my taxes higher. Yeah, how? Never mind. Oh, you kill me, Marlowe. You talk about taxes. How'd you like to pay taxes on this job? Fish your heap? Yeah. One of them foreign things. <laughs> right hand drive. Baby blue yet. It matches my eyes. What'd you do at San Quentin? Learn a trade? Sure. And a good one. <laughs> you decent people go right on paying taxes, Marlowe. Us third rate punks will get along. I watched Cookie's baby blue convertible cut out into the traffic. Got in my own car and drove away in the opposite direction. Yeah, Cookie sensed it. I was going to knock off for a while, head for the Feather River country. Well, by the time I reached my apartment, I could almost smell the pine trees. And while I tossed a few things into a bag, I saw myself every inch a modern Isaac Walton. Oh. oh you're Philip Morrow. That's right. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I've been calling you... Oh, I I'm Lillian Collins. Are you? Well, uh... I told Pat not to wait. Who's Pat? The taxi driver. Oh, him. Uh, may I come in? Well, yeah, I guess so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're you're packing. Or are you unpacking? No, I'm packing. I'm going to the Feather oh, River but you Country. you can't. I... What? You can't be going anywhere. I, well, I need your help, Mr. Marlowe. I really do desperately. Yeah, well, I just thought I'd take a few days uh, of course off. Can't I'll, it work? I'll pay you whatever's customary. I just don't know where to turn and... Somehow we've got to locate them quickly. Leonard should be home within a oh, week. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sit down. Mrs. Uh, uh, Collins, is it? Uh, yes. Lillian. Oh. Uh, Leonard's my husband. He's back east on business. Well, just what do we have to locate quickly? By jewelry. It was stolen last night. Oh, well, stolen jewelry's out of my line, Mrs. Collins. That's a police job. Oh, no. Oh, that is it. It, it can't be. Why? I, I thought about the police right away, of course, but I, I can't call them in. Leonard would hear about it. I know it. It would be in the papers, and you understand, don't you? No, I don't understand. Well, I, I just couldn't, that's all. Mrs. Collins, right now I like fishing poles better than I do oh, people. Oh, but you can't go. I... I mean, you can, of course, but I do need your help so much. <laughs> Why can't I resist names? All right, but you have to level with me. What jewelry, when did it happen, who knew you had it, everything? Well... It was a necklace, diamonds, yeah. and a diamond bracelet. I had them in my jewel box last night. I'd only just taken them from our safe deposit box in the afternoon. Who knew you took them out? Well, no one. No one knew. Mm -hmm. Well, how did it happen, the robbery, I mean? Well, I, I was in my bedroom. That's where the jewel box was. Yeah. I was dressing for dinner. The doorbell rang. I had to answer it. Letty's on vacation now that Mr. Collins is in the East. It was Sylvia, a friend of mine. We were to have dinner together. I fixed a drink for us, then went back to my bedroom for my wrap. That's when I noticed the jewelry was missing. You hadn't heard anything, anyone in the house? No. Mm. Of course, the radio was on. Music, you know. Mm -hmm. How would anyone get into the bedroom? Well, the French doors open onto a little terrace right by the bedroom. I rather presumed whoever it was came in that way. Well, how much would you say this jewelry is worth? Ten thousand dollars. Mm. Oh, that's what it's insured for. Anything else taken? No, not a thing. Do you wear this necklace and bracelet often? Oh, no, not really. When Leonard gave them to me, he said they were for state occasions. Last night was a state occasion. Oh, my goodness, no. Oh, that is, I... If you didn't intend to wear them last night, why did you take them out of the safe deposit box? I... I suppose you'll have to know. I needed the money, Mr. Marlowe. I have a debt Leonard knows nothing about. If I wrote a check for $10,000, he'd ask questions. I don't blame him. Well, there's just no need worrying him with it, that's all. He doesn't know you gamble, huh? I didn't say... <laughs> you didn't have to. Have you ever pawned anything before, Mrs. Collins? 
No. No, I haven't. Well, I got news for you. You probably couldn't get ten grand for them. Oh, but if they're insured... Doesn't matter. Unless you made a deal to have them stolen so you could get the insurance money. Oh, really, Mr. Marlowe? Really, Mrs. Collins? <laughs> okay. Let's drive to your place and look around. Yeah, these doors have been jimmied, all right. Didn't it bother you to stay here last night after it happened? Oh, I didn't. I stayed with Sylvia in Westwood. Told her about the robbery, huh? No, no, I didn't. I started to, but then I... I was afraid I'd have to tell her too much. Mm -hmm. Did you stay there last night and then come over to my apartment by cab this morning? Well, I came here first, then to your apartment. I wanted to be sure nothing else was missing. And then I decided to get in touch with you and had Pat drive me over. That's the taxi driver. <laughs> He's practically my chauffeur. His stand is right out in front of our building here. I'm one of those native-born New Yorkers who never learned to drive. Mrs. Collins, hmm? are you sure that you're telling me everything you know about this? Oh, believe me, I am, Mr. Marlowe. Why, it would be so stupid of me not to. Yes, it would. I've got to have that jewelry back before Leonard comes. He, he'll just never understand the gambling and all. I, uh, well, he's gone so much, and we have no children. There, there just wasn't anything else to do. Can you... Understand that, Mr. Marlowe? No. But I'll try, Mrs. Collins. There was something tragic about her. A woman of means and advantage who was husbandless part of the time and childless all of the time. I suppose that isn't an easy life, but surely there must be other ways to fill the emptiness, huh? Well, Lillian packed a small bag and asked me to drive her to Sylvia's. As we walked toward my car, a grinning taxi driver leaned out of his cab. Take you somewhere, Mrs. Collins? Oh, not this time. Thanks, Pat. I'm freeloading. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but don't make it a habit. I gotta make a living, you know. I know. See you later, Pat. He's awfully nice, Mr. Mark. Yeah, he seems to be. Tell me about your friend, Sylvia. Oh, well, there isn't much to tell. She's a nice person, a widow. Oh, she just lives a block or so from here. Turn on Wilshire to your left. Okay. Tell me, does Sylvia have money? Oh, I guess so. She seems to, anyway. Has a lovely apartment, a nice car, all the symbols, anyway. Why? I just want... Oh, uh, by the way, if you don't want her to know you've hired me, maybe you better tell her I'm a business friend of your husband, huh? Just drop by as you're leaving the house, something like that. Oh, oh yes, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, it's in this block, the big green apartment building on the right. Okay. Hmm. That's funny. Uh, is it? Yeah. Oh, here's a parking place. Wonder what Cookie's doing around here. <clears throat> a friend of yours? No. No, not possibly. That car parked there, foreign job, baby blue. It's Cookie's all right. Oh. Sylvia's apartment is the first one on this side. You... You really don't have to come in, Mr. Marlowe. Name's Murphy, remember? Oh. Old friend of your husband's. Yes, yes, that's right. I'll come in to carry your bag and to meet Sylvia. <laughs> I'm very partial to wealthy widows. Really, Mr. Marlowe, do you think you will find my jewelry? Well, I've got one idea so far, Mrs. Collins. If that doesn't work, well, you leave it up to me, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Oh, oh, here we are. darling i'm so glad you're back oh hello hello uh sylvia this is mr murphy uh, oh yes of course mr murphy sylvia jennings how do you do mr. how are you murphy? well come in come in both of you i was just getting ready for a swim oh sounds wonderful maybe i could scare up a pair of trunks for you mr murphy oh thanks no i i've got to run along I just stopped by Mrs. Collins looking for her husband. Uh, Mr. Murphy's from out of town, known Leonard for years. I was all packed, ready to come over here. So I brought her. Well, all right. You know, you two don't have to explain anything to me. As a matter of fact, I can go down to the pool alone, and you two can stay here and uh, talk about old times. Why, Sylvia. Oh, relax, Bill. And forgive me, Mr. Murphy. I've told stories like that myself so many times, I know them by heart. I'll bet you do at that. You know I do. <laughs> what? Now, I just won't have you thinking that, Sylvia. <laughs> oh, now, don't be silly, darling. It's not important. Oh, but it is. Hey, wait a I minute. Just... Hold it. Hold it. 
Let's you both go down to the pool and talk it all over. I really have business to tend to. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Yeah, we'll just keep it that way. Uh -huh. uh, will, will we be hearing from you about anything or anything uh, you know? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, sure you will. About anything. About that Sylvia. Well, the case was beginning to have its compensations. But I didn't figure Lillian Collins at all. Sometimes I thought she lied in her teeth, and sometimes I knew that she was just a bewildered dame who'd had her jewels lifted. I passed Cookie's car again as I left, and still no sign of him. I had told Lillian I had one idea. He was still at the taxi stand in front of her apartment. You really Philip Marlowe? Yeah, I really am. Need proof? No, no, that's okay. Mrs. Collins wouldn't have been with you if you weren't the right guy. You say I can help? Yeah, right? maybe so. Now, look, you drive her almost everywhere she goes. Now, how about telling me just where she goes, huh? Mm, regulation places, Saxes, Magnons, places for lunch, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This morning, I took her over to a Hollywood address. Oh, that was me. Oh, <laughs> well, oh, hey, there is one place she goes oh. a couple of times a week for the last three or four weeks. A place on top of one of the hills up off of Coldwater Canyon. Friend of her? Well, maybe. She usually asks me to wait, though, between 15 minutes and a half hour. That's all the longer she stays. When was the last time you took her there? Let me see. Uh, day before yesterday, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was day before yesterday. I followed Pat's instructions through every devious curve to the top of Coldwater Canyon. The thing that interested me most was not what was ahead, but what or who was behind me in the big expensive car. The sun was hitting the windshield just right to obscure the driver. I slowed at the isolated address, noticed another big car parked in front. When I stopped, the car behind me stopped. A well-dressed woman got out and went into the house. As she did, she passed another well-dressed woman coming out. It looked like a change of shifts. As she drove away, I got out of the car and went up to the door. Someone somewhere was watching me. I could feel it. Yes? Oh, hello. I, uh... I, uh, do not believe you have an appointment, sir. Oh, no. I, I didn't think to make one. Excuse me, please. Sir, one moment. What a creep. And what a joint. You, uh... Will come in, please. Yeah, thanks. May I inquire, sir, who referred you here? I have to have a reference? Madame must insist on references, sir. Oh, she insists, yeah, yes. well. I'm a friend of Mrs. Collins. Lillian Collins? Oh, yes, yes. Mrs. Collins, yeah. yes. You will follow me, then. Madame will see you now. More to the point, I will see Madame. I followed the Peter Lorre character down a darkened hallway. As far as I could tell, there was no door ahead. It looked like a blind alley. Even in the darkness, I sensed that someone could see me. I didn't have long to think about it. Just when we reached what looked like an impasse, the little man ahead of me pulled some heavy drapes aside and nodded for me to enter. I walked into a room that was heavily draped on all sides, pungent with the smell of incense. And studying me from across the room, a Grecian-robed woman seated beside... So help me, a crystal ball. You will come in, please, and be seated. Yeah, I will. <coughs> you see, I... Hush, uh, hmm? you will remain silent. It is so necessary, your silence. Bruno, you will go. Yes, madame. Hey, they're very clever, those drapes. <laughs> when they're closed, you can't tell where the door is. I must insist. Your silence is very important. Ah, uh. You're in need of help, much help, or you would not be here. Yeah, well, you could say that. Yeah. You make it very difficult for me to see what is in store for you. The crystal is cloudy, very cloudy. I'll quit breathing on it. Please. Oh, excuse me. Now, you are seeking something, probing, searching out. And this is not a good thing. Some things one must not pursue. I regret to say, for you I see much trouble. Great trouble and danger. 
You are in need of rest, my friend. Rest and sleep. A long sleep. Bruno will help you. Bruno will help you to sleep. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first, through the years, Red Cross has helped the victims of disaster, brought comfort to servicemen in camps and hospitals and to their families. Today, with the country rising to meet the challenge of aggression, the Red Cross has been asked by the government to undertake tremendous tasks. By giving generously to the Red Cross, you will help mobilize for the defense of your families, your community, and the nation. Give as much as you can. And now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe, and tonight's story, The Medium Was Rare. The madam's prediction was suffocatingly accurate. Bruno helped me sleep all right with a strong assist from a sponge full of ether. My watch said it was two hours later when I came out of the anesthetic a long way from the house on the top of Coldwater Canyon. I was in my own car, parked on a strand of beach north of Santa Monica. Ten minutes and a blast of bourbon later, I entered Sylvia Jennings' apartment again. This time, there was no sign of Cookie's baby blue car. I don't think Lillian will be long. She remembered some shopping she had to do. Did she? You don't look as if you felt very well, Mr. Marlowe. Oh, I feel just fine. I just woke up from a long sleep. And by the way, Mrs. Jennings, you really shouldn't call me Mr. Marlowe. Oh. Oh, yes. Now, where on earth do you suppose I got the name Marlowe? I really wouldn't know. Okay, where's Lillian, huh? I told you she went shopping. Without a purse? Well, what... That blue mean? bag there. She was carrying it when I brought her here. Now, isn't that odd? Yes, isn't it? Uh. Oh, uh, the door. Do you excuse sure. me? Sure. Yes? Uh, uh, I want to see Chisano. Chisano? Why, you must be mistaken. There's no one here by that name. He was here, doll. i seen him. What? Oh, just wait for him. No, you can't come in here. Well, Cookie, hello. Here. What is this, Marlowe? Well, it's one of those happy coincidences, Cookie. For the first time in my life, I'm glad to see you. Oh, close the door, Mrs. Jennings. <laughs> Make yourself at home. I'm afraid I don't understand this, Mr. Marlowe. Yeah, well, I was afraid I wouldn't for a while. But stick around. I think things are going to clear up in a hurry. Listen, Marlowe, what's the pitch here? You know this name? Not as well as I'm going to. You sure you saw Chisano here, Cookie? Yeah, I'm sure. He leave here about an hour ago with another day. Listen, you Brunette, keep quiet. Brunette, Cookie, blue and white dress? Yeah. And she didn't seem too happy about going with Chisano. To tell him? Sure. To a house up at the top of Coldwater Canyon. That's fine, Cookie. Then what happened? <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. I'm all set to move in, talk to Chisano. When some jerk jumps me and stuffs my face full of a sponge thing. It was loaded. You passed out? Yeah, for a while. When I wake up, I'm sitting in my car, big as you please, down at the bottom of the canyon. I figured Cezano started from here. He'd be coming back, so I come back. <laughs> and here you are. Interesting story, isn't it, Mrs. Jennings? None of it's true. Of course not. How'd you get a line on Cezano, Cookie? There's talk in town. He's got a new racket. Got something to do with a rich doll. You know who this thing is? Tell me. She's right out of the blue book, that's who. I don't figure her with Chazana. Except uh, I gotta believe what I see. Yeah, Cookie, me too. Then maybe you two will believe this gun if you see it. What? Stay oh, where you are and keep the hands up. I know I'd get to know you better, Mrs. Jennings. Stop me if I'm wrong. You set up suckers, wealthy females, condiment a visiting madame who tells fortunes based on what you've told you're her. You're crazy and you're in no position to talk. Maybe then the madame predicts some trouble for him. How huh? warns him of dangers ahead? Shut up. Like maybe your jewelry isn't safe where it is. Take it out of the bank. Keep it at home where you can watch it, Lillian. And when the poor stoop does that, you come in the front door and Chisana comes in the back to cop the jewelry. I said shut up. Hey, Marlowe, you think that's the deal? I think that's the deal, Cookie. Are you breaking my arm? Only if I have to, baby. Get the gun, Cookie. Sure. And bring Mrs. Jennings along, Cookie. The three of us are going to have our fortunes told. Uh, 
How about that Cesano? What a sweet deal he's got. I didn't figure him for so smart. He's a big brain, all right. And wait till he hears we're cutting in on him, sharing the take. Huh? This way, everybody makes dough. Me, you, Cesano, even the little doll here, huh? Oh, leave uh, me alone. Easy does it, Cookie. <laughs> You're pretty smart yourself. How'd you figure I was going to make a business deal with Cesano? Yeah, no, Chump Marlowe. I got every Seamus figured. You're all looking for that one big sweet deal like Cezanne's got to move in on. It's a natural. Yeah, you're right. Cezanne will never go for it. He's got no choice, doll. Oh, hey, watch it, Marlowe. There's a geek in a prowl car ahead of you. Yeah, I've been watching him. Where's Mrs. Jennings' gun, Cookie? We're right here. Why? Give it to me a minute, huh? Hey, you ain't gonna plug it. Come on, come on, give it to me. <laughs> Hey, but I, I don't get you. Thanks. Wait, you hit him. Yeah, and that's not all. What are you doing? You ran right into that police car. That's the way I played it, honey. Hey, that was a very bright. Oh, Mr. Marlowe. Got a couple of customers for you, officer. I had to move quick. Why, sure, sure. Oh, but... you don't... oh yes, we do. The lively one's got a great racket. I'll tell you about it later. Cookie over there wants to see his parole officer. You, uh, you want me to take them in? I sure do. And tell your brethren to come to 6956 Canyon Rim, top of Coldwater Canyon, right away, with their muskets loaded. A house at the top of the canyon had the empty look that only occupied houses can have. Cookie had tipped his hand just in time. I was better off traveling light. I knew I'd have no trouble getting in. Shizana was probably expecting me. I was so right. You're late, Marlowe. Well, some days it takes me longer to come out of ether than others. <laughs> you must have done a good job, Bruno. I always try, Mr. Chisano. Oh, believe me, Chisano, he's earned a promotion. Get the business over with. Well, madame, I didn't recognize you without your crystal ball. Never mind that, Marlowe. Okay, I won't. Where's Lillian? Uh, she's, uh, she's arresting. Ah, look, uh, Chisano, your nasty little racket here is one thing, but kidnapping is another, huh? Yeah, yeah. And murder is something else again. You forced us, Mr. Marlowe. I warned you not to probe. Cesano, listen. I'm not kidding. If you've done anything to Lillian, I'll She's take you... She's perfectly safe. She's not been harmed yet. That's right. Not yet. She better not be. She... Oh, there you are, Lillian. She what? can't be... There's no one there. It's an old gag, Cesano. Gives me a chance at my gun. Now the three of you stand over there by the windows. Now look, Marlowe. Now you look. You and Bruno and Madame take a good look out the window and let me know when the law arrives. <laughs> you know, Madame, even without your crystal ball, I can see trouble for you. Much trouble. <laughs> Lillian had been given the ether treatment, too. We found her when the police arrived. She was okay, just thoroughly frightened. She wasn't all we found when we searched the place. Cesano hadn't fenced the jewelry as fast as he stole it. And the parade of women who came to claim it all later read like the social register. Eh, social register. The elite. The 400. Yeah, well, I know a place where the 400 give way to 4,000 luscious, lovely mountain trucks. Oh, the forest primeval, the murmuring pines and the... Yeah. You know what? I don't think I'm going to make it. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, was produced and transcribed tonight by Cliff Howell and written for radio by Kathleen Height. The cast included Gloria Blondell, Ed Max, Gene Bates, Harry Bartell, Betty Lou Gerson, Lou Krugman, Ida Reese Marin, and Jay Novello. Gerald Moore may currently be seen in the Santana production, Sirocco. The special music for Philip Marlowe is composed by Pierre Garagank and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time when Philip Marlowe says... This time strange sounds came from a bungalow court. Or did they? An old woman thought so, but she had quite an imagination. A crack in the wall held the secret. 
couple of guys held guns, and a nice guy held on for dear life. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.